This is the All Markets Summit podcast from Yahoo Finance. Joining us now, Julie Hyman with the CEO of Verizon, Hans Vestberg. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Hans. Thanks for being here. Um, I've had the opportunity to talk to Hans uh, several times before. 5G is one of his favorite topics. Yeah, that's one of them. I have many, but that's say. one of them. Um, so let's, let's jump right into it, because Verizon's been rolling out 5G in several cities in the United States already. Um, I know the short-term goal, or mid-term goal, is 30 cities. Yeah. Talk me through the progress, how things are going so far. Uh, I think that I mean, the progress is, uh, is really good. I mean, we outline in the beginning of the year that we want 30 markets uh, this year. We have so far launched 13 markets and they're coming in now at the latter part of the year and of course we're pushing the envelope for the whole ecosystem because to be honest 5G ecosystem when we talk about chipset infrastructure was actually pegged to be ready 2020 and uh, we already started 2018 to roll it out so of course we want to give our customers the first experience of 5G but we also want to give the best experience and the best uh, sort of experience of the network so that so that's where we are on that and as we have discussed before we have three different business cases for 5G. One is the mobility when you get the 5G phone in your hand and you just have an extraordinary experience. The other is the 5G home, which we launched already in 2018, and we're going to relaunch now when we have the next generation's uh, chipset, which basically is a substitution for 5G to the home. And the last uh, business case we have is the 5G mobile edge compute. That's basically when you take the cloud uh, out to the edge together with 5G, and that we're going to launch in this quarter because we're in the fourth quarter. So this is going to be launched in this, this quarter. We have not said when, but definitely we're going to launch the first 5G mobile edge compute centers in this quarter. So that's the three business cases we have, which is very different from any previous technology because suddenly on the same infrastructure you can do different type of businesses, uh, very different. So I know it's still early days, as you say, 13 of those 30 cities it's being rolled out. I've been reading some of the reviews of it, and they say where the service works, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But that it is still spotty in terms yeah. of coverage. And so it, it, it is so in the beginning because as you're rolling it out so quickly, you're pushing the envelope for the whole supply chain. You need to get equipment. You need to get stuff up there. So, of course, in the beginning you start, but you take cities like Chicago where basically the initial footprint was uh, X amount of radio-based stations. That's three times more today, only three months later. In the beginning on the five-year uh, where we launched with smartphones, especially with the Samsungs, we had six, 700 megabits per second on the phone and that's 10x the 4G uh, phone. Today we're on 2 gig gigabytes per second. So now we're uh, I would say 20 times. So that's how fast the technology is moving. And some of you might remember when 4G came in the beginning, you know, yeah, it was okay, but you know, five years later, that's when you get enormously improvements. I can compare the 4G technology evolution with the 5G, and to be honest, 5G is going faster. The adaptation of the software and the improvements is quicker than in 4G. Uh, so I think we are going to see an extraordinary uh, impact of 5G in the next uh, couple of years here. And remember, it's not only for consumers. I see an enormous transformation for industries when 5G mobile compute is coming. And we would talk to basically any Fortune 500 company today. What can they do with, the, with the, all the throughput, the latency that you can only today get on fiber? You can get on 5G. So, of course, people are excited. So, and I am excited as well. 
So uh, from the consumer perspective, as I look out in the audience here, most people have phones in their hands or perhaps next to them, but a lot of people have them in their hands. So um, I know you've spoken a little bit about it in the past, but talk to me about, for example, in this room, all these people holding their phones, what is going to be the difference with the 5G experience versus Yeah, 4G so you go back and think about what is 5G given difference from 4G. The enormous throughput, uh, speed and latency, that's, that's three currencies that are really important for consumers. So if you have that, you can suddenly think about all content can be much closer to you. You can think about VR, AR, things that re really requires a lot of latency and throughput that can go to the phone. And suddenly you can do totally different immersive experience. I mean, as you know, we have also launched now that we're gonna, we have already now uh, 5G coverage in 13 NFL stadiums. And as I usually said, NBA hasn't started yet. So let's see. Uh, so, and there, of course, you get an immersive experience in the stadium because you can take the pictures, you can move around, and you can see it differently. You cannot do that with a device today because you don't have the capacity in the network to do it. And uh, one thing in the stadiums, if you take it with that, the big, big challenge you have today if you're on the live concert, a big stadium, is the uplink. Sending all the tweets up and the YouTubes, whatever you want to do. On 5D, on millimeter wave, we have no limitations. Basically, that's why 5D is so important in, in, uh, when it comes to millimeter wave, being in these public places. So that's the use case that we see. But I remember I got the question on 4D. Everybody asked me, what is the killer application? I worked for years, you know, get research, what will it be? I was wrong on all of them. <laughs> uh, but what I was right on is that it's going to be so transformative and it's going to be so accessible, so the whole developer community is going to invent things that we never thought about. Well, and the adoption is expected to be really pretty rapid also. I saw an estimate from Ovum that 1.3 billion subscribers could be using 5G by 2023. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah, remarkable and, and growth. We saw another, uh, so we get uh, uh, the US market, uh, the expectation Ericsson is doing the mobility report and they talked about 50% of the US population will have a 5G phone in 2024. And then you say only 50%. Okay, remember now, a lot of, uh, of our subscribers still are on 3D and 4G and of course you keep all these the, the technologies at the same time and that's mm -hmm. what you need to do. And, you still need a great 4G network when you have 5G and the migration is going when the consumers or the customer wants to move. So what's going to be the competitive differentiation when it comes to 5G? I think um, most of the time if people are choosing, again, from the consumer perspective, if you're choosing a telecom provider, you want coverage. Yeah. So if everyone is doing 5G, how is Verizon aiming to do 5G differently or better or in some competitive way that's going to make you sign up versus one of your Everybody's doing 4G as well. Right. And there are differences. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to, we, from the beginning when we came out and uh, especially in the beginning of the year, I talked about that 5G has eight capabilities. I call them currencies. Uh, and 4G has two basically. They have speed and throughput. But that that the whole 5G has so much more facets because it's built even for industries and society. I think what we have decided is we're going to build all eight of those capabilities. If it's throughput or that you can have one million connected devices per square kilometers, we're going to build all of those because we'll have all those customers. I don't think that everybody will do that. If I would have a company, let's assume I'm a European carrier and I only have consumers, I wouldn't build that I need one billion connected devices per square kilometers 
or that I need to optimize the latency down to 10 milliseconds. But Verizon will do it because our customers are actually in all those areas that need these different currencies or capabilities. So I think that's going to be a big difference because we're going to build networks differently. And we have different strategies between the carriers in the US, which is not strange because the opportunities if you're a carrier is very different today than 15 years ago when everyone was the same. Everyone was the same. Today you can make choices. You can go deep in a, in a vertical. You can work as a platform company. So the choices are different. Than I think that just companies taking their decision where they think they are the best. Um, I want to talk about the equipment side of the story because obviously Huawei is a big part of this conversation right now. You've said Verizon doesn't use Huawei equipment. No. Um, has it, though, affected the market dynamics, for example, in terms of pricing? When you have a player who's taken out of the market effectively for some providers. No. Does it, it doesn't push no. up the pricing from, from They've the never been there. We never dealt with them, so it doesn't change anything for us. Does it change if the global standards are different? In other words, if Huawei is only being used in some geographic areas and not in others, does that affect no, the global No, neither. But if it's going to be a different global standard, it's going to impact the whole telecom industry. I mean, it's a reason why anyone that has a phone in this room can go to any country in the world and it works. Think about any other industry that has that compatibility, where you basically decide that we have the same standard, we share, we share all the best patents, and all the competitors is putting them in one pot. That's why this is the one of the most important technology to transform the world and bringing everybody to have access, accessibility, education, healthcare, whatever. So if we go back to some of you might remember CDMA, GSMA, different standards, that's really not good. It's not good for the planet because ultimately one of the most important infrastructure for the 21st century is the mobility broadband and the cloud because suddenly you can address challenges that we've never been able to do before sustainable. So yes, that would be bad. Right now it's not because 5G standard is set by all the, all the ones and we have the same technology wherever we are. So you don't see any change to that? I didn't say that. I said right now 5G is, <laughs> 5G is defined as a standard and everybody's agreed on. But of course, it's going to be a 6G. So maybe we should be concerned about that. But it's a little bit early to talk about that right now. But uh, 6G is probably coming in seven, eight years from now. Do you think that any of the security concerns are justified about Huawei? Was that, did that feed into your decision to choose different providers? No, I don't think that. First of all, I mean, I, don't, I read the same newspapers as you are doing, so I cannot really comment on it. I think that, again, it comes back to, to what you were doing as a carrier. We pride ourselves to have a high standard on security. Uh, or you should be trusting the, if you're on the Verizon network, and we will continue to do so. So I want to turn to some other uh, sort of global events, right? Um, Verizon's in 150 countries. Yes. So as we have this sort of now US and global discussion about where we stand economically, are we in late cycle? Are we going to go into recession? From where you sit, how are you assessing? It's a little bit different. I mean, remember, no, Verizon has the consumer business only in the US. We're only consumer business in the US. Uh, doing enterprise business and all of that globally. And of course, Verizon Media Group with all the Yahoo brands is global. So of course, there you have another exposure to it. Usually, uh, you see uh, different uh, impacts on, in the enterprise world and the consumer world. And usually, enterprise is a little bit ahead of it. You can say that, of course, Europe has been a little bit challenging, I would say, for quite a while right now, uh, economically. But then, then, then there's pockets. I'm, uh, I just came from Norway. 
uh, today or yesterday, I don't remember. Uh, and of course, the Nordics is, is really intact and working well. So it's also different places, but to talk about any worldwide recession or something, I think it's wrong. But there are definitely the pockets that has their challenges today and are in transformation as a country uh, at the moment. But uh, yeah, so it's a little bit different. And at the same time, there's been this sort of conventional wisdom that the US consumer is still doing pretty well. Um, at a time when you're introducing this new technology, is that a concern that the U.S. consumer will start to roll over and maybe will not be as quick to adopt, spend more money on some new technologies uh, if, like a 5G? It's a good question. I, I would, okay, we disregard if it's going to be a recession or not. We would build it anyhow <laughs> because we are in long-term in networks. We believe in the latest technology for our customers. So we wouldn't, I mean, we are, we're a network company. We build networks. We, we pride ourselves to have the best network and all of that. So uh, we want our customer to get the latest. Then there's going to be up and downs in consumer sentiments. It wouldn't change how we would do it because it's so important for us and for this country to get the latest technology. So we, we wouldn't change that. Then we can get into if it's going to be a recession and, and consumer sentiment. Uh, as we reported the second quarter, remember, I'm in a quiet period. We have just, we're soon to be reporting in the third quarter. But when we reported the second quarter, uh, uh, we, we didn't see any major things happening on the consumer sentiment. Um, of course, the theme of the conference is generational opportunities, right? So when oh. we talk about these new technologies like a 5G uh, coming out, what do you think the demands are of people as they are more interconnected with their phones, for example, with Internet of Things uh, than ever before? I think a lot of different things are happening here. I think, first of all, uh, I said it before and I'm going to say it again, I think the 21st century's infrastructure is mobility, broadband, and cloud. Uh, that should enable anyone anywhere, depending on where you come from, having the same chances in, this, in their lives. That hasn't been the case uh, in the last century. We have the chance in a... In a you know, this is a life chance that we all have to make a change to that because the connectivity is making uh, a broad change in our society. And that's not only for individuals, it's also for companies, enterprises, entrepreneurs uh, to be part of it and for the society at large. So I think that the connectivity is just, and the, the broadband and the cloud services is just going to continue to play a pivotal role in our society uh, for the next century. And, 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 and I think that that's why it's a little bit hard to answer the question where it's coming or not. I think it's just going to be ubiquitous. Then I think it's always, as any hype of a technology, it always comes, okay, now we settle down and we mature a little bit about, uh, about it. I mean, I think 15 years from now, I think we will think a little bit different how much screen times we have and all of that. But that's not normal in a technology revolution. Usually in a technology revolution, usually 60 years. The 31st year you, you sort of innovate the technology and the 30 last years you use the technology for something totally different than you even thought about it. I mean, remember, we invented for 30 years ago a mobile phone, and it was one use case you should call in it. And if I look at people in this room, that's the last thing you're doing. You're not calling anyone anymore. You're doing a lot of other stuff on the phone. That's basically how you need to think about the mobility broadband and cloud as well. We have invented them because we think we're going to stream a lot on TV. I can tell you the use cases 30 years from now is going to just change our whole society. So when you talk about sort of leveling the playing field from this increased connectivity, at the same time, of course, we're having a big discussion about income inequality in the U.S. There's a big political yeah. movement, not just here, but elsewhere. 
do you think that we start to see this increased connectivity level the playing field in an economic sense as well? I definitely hope so. We have seen that uh, again and again and again in the world where basically being connecting, being part of the site regardless where you are is creating an opportunity for you to get education, healthcare, you can start companies, you, can, you don't need to move to an urban area, you can do it from rural and I think we just need to see that that's happening because we cannot have everybody be living in big cities, we cannot everybody having exactly the same living standard that Samos had from the beginning with everything in infrastructure. So yes, this should definitely hit our equality in all aspects. And uh, we as a company, we just need to see that everybody get the same chance and of course getting that technology out there. You've also been very outspoken about sustainability, and I know yeah. you have. A, we've spoken about that in the past as well. This is something that's becoming more in vogue in the corporate world in the United States. The Business Roundtable recently put out that statement about it being about stakeholders, not just shareholders. And it, they got some jeers, right? They got some skepticism. How do you make this a real thing and not just something that's cosmetic or stylish? I had the chance to live in many countries. Um, uh, and I saw my first hand 15, 20 years ago the impact of actually being connected. I was working in the rural Africa for, for a while and you know, and you realize that, that that's part of the strategy I was working on that company, but it was also improving the life of people. Uh, so I think that through my history and what I've been working with, I always connected this to part of the strategy. That Verizon builds coverage in the whole country and including everyone, that's part of our strategy. That we also connect all these schools that we're doing right now. We're investing 400 million US dollars in schools uh, across the country, especially schools that don't have any connectivity. And we give them a curriculum, digital curriculum for STEM. So that's great. But it's part of our strategy because we need a lot of more uh, youth that really like science. At the same time, broadband is our strategy. So I think that is what you need to do. You need to connect it to your strategy of the company. Doing philanthropy is great and everybody should do it. But for a corporation, it should be part of your strategy because the first thing you do when you have a lot of philanthropy on the side is that, okay, tough times, we start cutting there. But you don't start cutting in your strategy. If the strategy is broadband and getting more youth being uh, engaged in STEM education, if you start cutting that, you start cutting your strategy. So I think that's... It's great that the Business Roundtable came out and talked about it. For me, it should be embedded in the strategy that you think about your four stakeholders, shareholders, employee, customer, and society. And to be honest, if you fail with any of them, you have a problem. Do you think U.S. corporations are doing a good job of that, incorporating it in the way that you're talking about? I'm not sure I'm the judge for that. I know what I'm doing, and I, I think I have a huge responsibility as a leader of a mega big company uh, to actually use uh, the, the position I have and the leadership I have to actually do the right things for the company. But I do it for two reasons. I do it because it's the, it's the right for the business, but it's also right for being a responsible company. And when I have those to get two together, I do it, or we do it. So uh, um, I have seen a huge change in the US. I have worked globally in all my life. Uh, but I've seen a huge change the last couple of years on the U.S. companies to really thinking about it. But I think still there's a lot about we have philanthropy over there, you know, they are doing it, so we're doing great things, which you should do. But it's less of them putting it part of the core strategy that you're also doing, doing things that are responsible and are creating better business. 
Hans, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hans Vestberg is the CEO of Verizon. <laughs>